0: This is Triple H 100.1 FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Rotary Matters. My name is Ian Stewart and it's really good to be with you today on this beautiful sunny spring day. Now, the idea of our program, Rotary Matters, is to put the spotlight onto some of the many worthy causes, the projects, and the people who make up a Rotary. Now, Rotary internationally has adopted the environment as, and its protection. ...as a key area of focus. It's a cause they're actively promoting and for good reason, which makes sense to most of us, does it not, in the community? And while few would disagree with this uh, focus, it does tend to rest on the shoulders of only a few to do something about it, to ensure that the goals are met. So today on Rotary Matters, we're meeting an extraordinaryitarian who is tackling environmental problems first-hand, close-up, at a local level, and she's getting impressive results. Her name is Kirsten Welthorz, a member of the Rotary Club of the Lower Blue Mountains, which is just outside of Sydney. Now, in her professional life, Kirsten is a senior environmental advisor at the Australian Rail Track Corporation, where she works on an environmental impact statement for Inland Rail, which is a 1,700k freight line, which is under development running between Melbourne and Brisbane. In her free time, she goes from this very big picture role to a much smaller, but equally challenging role as a volunteer at Lower Blue Mountains Rotary Club, where she heads their environment working group. The group is very active and making a big and very measurable difference to improve the club's sustainability footprint. As you'll hear in a moment, her group runs a successful recycling shop where they not only track the energy use of the shop, but the energy used by staff even on their way to work, amongst many other things. So measurability is clearly important. Look, it's an inspiring story. I had the pleasure of speaking about it recently on Zoom uh, with Kirsten Weltholz. So today on Rotary Matters, it's a great pleasure to have with us as our guest, uh, Kirsten Weltholz, um, who is with the Lower Blue Mountains Rotary Club. We're here to talk about an initiative which she leads to do with um, zero waste in this part of the world. But before we get into that, Kirsten, what does your day-to-day job in re- in real life? What do you do?
1: Hi Ian, and yeah, thank you very much for inviting me to talk about some um, um, the um, club's environmental initiatives in the Lower Blue Mountains. Um, yeah, my um, my role. My, in my day-to-day life, I'm a senior environmental advisor for um, the Australian Rail Track Corporation, so it's a kind of federal government um, rail project, and my role there is uh, is one to try and um, obtain environmental approvals for a section of a project that we're working on, and I guess my focus is on trying to reduce environmental impact of that, of that project, um, working with our contractors, the government, uh, to try and minimise the environmental impact and I guess maximise sustainability
0: outcomes. So, is this along a section of rail track that's being uh, proposed or developed?
1: It is, yes. I work on the Inland Rail project, which is a new a proposed freight line uh, between Melbourne and Brisbane. Um, so, I work on a small section of that um, between Illebo and Stocking Bingle in, uh, in, in, in the southern New South Wales. In a Junie kind of area,
0: June-y right, at the right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. D- do you have to go down there from time to time to? Um... Some,
1: yeah, sometimes. Um, I'm actually going there next week to talk to some of the councils um, about, I guess, the pro- project progress and uh, get, um, you know, we get feedback from them on on the project, so addressing their their comments and
0: uh, their concerns. Um. So you've taken your professional experience and applied it on a voluntary basis to some of the work of the Lower Blue Mountains Rotary Club um, and you have set up an environment working group. So tell us something about what that working group does. I read about an op shop um, that you've got. Um, Where and what is that? So firstly, I should say
1: that uh, the the, um, Rotary Recycles op shop in uh, in Blackson, in the Lower Blue Mountains, is uh, run through the Lower Blue Mountains Club, as a, as a separate entity, so that was started a few years back before I joined the club. So I guess what I could say from my club is that there are already significant amount of um, interest and people wanting to uh, to develop environmental initiatives to reduce waste, and the Rotary Recycles Op Shop is a great example of that. So when I joined, um, and obviously with Rotary, part of that is that you know, you can use your professional experience to the community benefits, I think. So I I kind of slotted into that very nicely um, with Rotary um, seventh new area of focus being environment that was set up in 2001. Um, And one of the uh, initiatives in our district was set up uh, to set up an, an Enviro club award system, which helped to promote, I guess, within the clubs, within our districts, to try and bring out the environmental initiatives that were already going on in the various clubs in the districts and, I guess, to sort of improve on that. So I've been, I been—I like the idea of I'm kind of, help, it's helpful to me to have awards as a sort of an aim to go for, and it sounds a bit cynical perhaps, but um, I set up a, firstly, I guess, I tried to see what interest there was in our club to set up an environment group. Um, and to be fair, most, most of our club, uh, most clubs in general, I think there are plenty of environmental initiatives even before it became an area of focus. So my aim firstly was to sort of understand what initiatives were already out there, see who, uh, who would be interested in joining and sort of making it a little bit more formal as a, as a sort of a monthly club to, to catch up and promote and identify issues and promote those environmental uh, projects. And so that's what's happened. I became... Firstly, the environmental representative of the club um, and that was our, um, our board and our president was on board with that and then essentially put the call out to the club, if anyone wants to join an environment group, uh, let's uh, let's get together on a monthly basis. Let's identify initiatives and uh, let's promote those uh, initiatives and let's, um, I guess, raise awareness and, and reduce our environmental uh, footprint.
0: And what was the response or reaction, Kirsten, from the club members? Yes, it's very.
1: That was quite good. I mean, we've got about sixty odd members in our club. Twelve uh, members ended up joining the environment working group, which I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we workshops to to develop a. I guess a sort of an. Firstly, we discussed, you know, why did we want to form this? Why Why did people actually want to join this environment group? Uh, so that I could understand what people's drivers were and we can make sure that any initiatives we we are in support of that. Um, and so people generally joined because, firstly, they wanted to, you know, leave the world a better place for their kids, their grandkids. Uh, they wanted to increase environmental awareness within the club. Um, they also wanted to grow the club membership and particularly try and um, uh, gain more younger members as I guess it's our club also has a sort of an older membership base. So that was one way that we thought perhaps we could grow a club membership um, and I guess generally to to improve our environmental footprints. So with, with that in mind, um, we had a bit of a, a workshop for a couple of hours to come up with some ideas, some actions uh, we looked at. Um, our uh, the Rotary environmental themes that are um, that are existing, which are um, around biodiversity, about sustainable living, around circular economy, which is just a fancy word for reducing waste in a way. Right. Right. Um, and um, for each of those to sort of see what sort of um, items we might, might want to, what action plans we might want to put in place. Um, and one of the first ones that we did was to set up a club members' survey so we developed an environmental survey to try and understand within the rest of our club what's our club's attitude towards environment what what are our club members doing or not doing what's what are their environmental or sustainability behaviors and uh, what are that what are their interests are there any items that they're really highly interested in that they think we should be focusing on um, and that really helped us then uh, once we got the results of that survey to to come up with initiatives that we knew the club would support because that's where um, the club members have said, you know, we're highly interested in. Um, the, one of the main ones was was around waste reduction and recycling. Our club was that was one, and the, the number one issue that they were concerned about. The other one was around uh, energy efficiency and um, and water conservation.
0: So, did you give them a menu of of topics to to rank, or did you was it an open ended? Tell us, please, what you. Uh, we had a
1: number, yeah. We had a number of suggestions, and then there was a, a, a box. If you had any others, you can add those as well. Right. Um, so, and it's interesting to see them because you could either argue that, well, knowing what people are interested in, we could focus on that, or conversely, you could say, well, there's topics that we've got hardly any interest in, such as in biodiversity, which was surprising to me since we're in the Blue Mountains. You could then argue, say, well, maybe this is this is a topic we, as an environment group, want to raise awareness on, want to have some initiatives to try and increase that interest in that in that topic. Um, so once we had those results, and within the working group, we looked at that to, to determine where we wanted to go with our um, initiatives.
0: How did, you, you, how did you? How did you rank those? Then, Kirsten? I mean, you couldn't tackle them all at once. You no, had, you and. Had to <laughs>
1: Very, very yes, and and you can imagine with twelve people in and it's fairly new. Everyone had lots of ideas. Um, I, the first year that we ran it, I just had everyone sort of come up with ideas. We then agreed, but with, with together, which of those initiatives? Because we had, you know, we had a bucket load of potential initiatives. And as you say, we, there's no way we're all volunteers. So, and some of us have worked full time or part time. There's no way we can do all of them. We, we we looked at them and we actually ranked them. We agreed between us. How likely is this initiative um, going to be, um, be happening? I guess it, realistically, who has got the time to... Firstly, we identified a lead person for each of the initiatives because otherwise, well, it's a great idea, but if no one's driving it, it's never going to happen. Um, so we have a lead. If you have a lead person, then we can agree with that person and with our club, uh, with our environment group, I should say, how high do you rank this as a priority based on firstly what our club members have identified in their survey as very important to them and also within the environment group is it just one person who stuck their hand up and just thinks it's a great idea or are, are there multiple uh, and do you think we have you know more people behind that also how easy is it to achieve this is it yeah. something that could be done in a in a day like set up an event and it's a one day event such as a clean up australia day or is this something that you're talking about it might take a year or years such as setting up a, a sustainability footprint calculator for for the op shop for instance which is right. something that's an ongoing project so with all these in mind we could we, we prioritize them uh, on sort of low medium and uh, and high priorities yes um and and we, we we started off in that way basically and i did sort of say it, at the end of the year we would see how we had gone and then review all of those initiatives if there were initiatives that never had taken off we'd probably remove them. Uh, and I think we did find that at the end of the year that we probably o- over, over committed, but but that's also fine. You know, you just go through that process and um, initiatives that don't take off, you just remove them um, and people come up with new initiatives.
0: So we're gonna rejoin that conversation with Kirsten a little later on in the program, as we learn more about the club's successful initiatives and the charities that benefit from their work. There's wonderful work they're doing at the Lower Blue Mountains Rotary Club. So welcome back to Rotary Matters in which we profile some of the worthy causes and the projects uh, undertaken by Rotarians. And today we've been talking with Kirsten Velthaus about the work she's doing with the Lower Blue Mountains Club to measure their environmental impact. And I asked her which of their initiatives uh, proves the most successful. Of those initiatives, which one was the most popular and Which was, or which was the most successful in terms of achieving what you set out to do? As the environment working great
1: um there's a few I, I think certainly reducing waste we had a whole bunch of initiatives around reducing waste so supporting the off shop is was obviously one and um, we set up a sustainability calculator to measure their footprint the shop's footprint so that's working out how much um how much energy does the shop use how much um, water does, is used in the shop how much waste is produced that is sort of waste in the shop itself but most importantly how much potential waste are we removing from the waste stream by either um, reselling it in the shop or if there's items that can't be sold in the shop sometimes things are not of the right quality we have about 20 odd other charities that we might share those items with for instance might get blankets or towels that are a bit dirty, but we can provide them to vets here for, or to wires, for instance, for, for wildlife rescue. So there's there's various um, charities in our local area that we might re, re-donate
0: to. So there's the opportunity then to to look at the waste reduction um, of the merchandise and the goods that are sold within the shop, as you say, taking mm-hmm. them out of landfill, push, uh, uh, redeploying them to other agencies. And then there's also That's the, right. The physical building itself, and you're measuring the consumption of power and water. Uh, That's right,
1: yep. And, and moreover, we're trying to measure the carbon footprint as well. And what I mean by that is uh, we have a, we've got a small a small shop and an enormous storage uh, unit somewhere else where we get all of our goods donated to it that we we, we try and sort through. Um, and invariably we have to travel between the shop and the, um, the storage facility when we change things over from season to season. Or when people donate things to uh, to, to at the um, storage facility, it has to be brought to the shop. Also, volunteers traveling to and from the shop in cars. So I'm trying to measure the carbon footprint of all of this wow. vehicle use basically and see if there's, I, I guess initially we're trying to get a year baseline data and then we can look at that and say, well, okay, that this is where it's at now. Are there any ways we could potentially? Reduce that impact. Could we carpool, or would there be people that be okay to um, to take public transport? Because the, the shop's very close to the station. It's just raising awareness. I think if you're not if you don't know what what it is that your what your footprint is now, then it, it's 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 probably a bit harder to try and work out how you can make changes, even if they're just small
0: changes. But I would that's terrific, and, and I would imagine that other retailers might be interested in your findings. People who share the same values as you. If you can present them and look, this is what we did in our op shop um, in terms of measuring and keeping track of our consumption and what we've been able to do about reducing that, that could be very valuable um, information. I'd have thought, Kirsten. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and I mean there are sustainability calculators and tools out there that that I use. So obviously, this is something that I've looked that I've. Um, been involved with through through my career, I guess, in, in this sort of measurement, uh, measuring footprints. And, uh, and I just tailor-made something to the shop. And you have to start... For me, it was originally I thought, is there something I can do, measure for the whole club? But I thought it's easier to start with something smaller. Um, we also have a market. Um, so the market is another... Uh, we run a weekly, a fortnightly market in Glenbrook. There's another um, place where we could potentially uh, um, look at in the long run i would love to be that that to be a zero waste market and that you know that takes time obviously first you have to understand what what is your waste currently you know what what you have got stall holders there's uh, there's green waste it's probably all going you know currently it's not really being separated um so one of the things we've started is to set up a a return and earn recycling bins at the market so with a dual pu- purpose of fundraising I guess, fundraising, the return and earns, which is the, the New South Wales government uh, can and bottle recycling scheme where you can get um, 10 cents for each can or bottle, the, the ones that uh, normally are the ones that it throw away ones, like just normal cans and, you know, sort of on-the-run drink bottles.
0: And you can, nominate, um, you can nominate a beneficiary there, can't you? If yes. I have a return and earn machine, I can indicate who I want the proceeds to go to. If I don't want to take it myself, I can nominate a charity.
1: That's that's exactly right. And most people that come to the market, they are well aware it's a rotary market because we we're at the at the gates uh and the bins. We've, we've purchased some recycling bins. We've got some signage on it to state this is uh, put in your your cans and bottles. You're your returning cans and bottles here, and the you know the, the funds will go through charity. So we are currently a I've registered our club as a a, a donate a a return and earn donation partner. So, in the community, people can go to a return and earn machine and actually donate to our club. And we uh, have committed this particular year to redonate all of the return and earns that we um, fund, but that we raised to a local charity of our choice, which is the Mountain Youth Service um, Team. And so we might that, change that on a yearly basis.
0: So do, do the donations have to, of the bottles and cans have to be at? your return and earn machine or could it be no. a return and earn machine elsewhere in the community and the donor can nominate the lower blue mountains rotary club as the as the recipient of the proceeds
1: yeah there's two ways of doing it so you can either go to a machine uh, and you'll find on the machine and once you you start um start the machine off you can see that there's a list of charities that you can donate your return and earns to But you can imagine that there's many charities that want to be on those machines. So the return and earn organization basically allows charities to be on the machine only for three months at a time. And so they rotate that. And the other way for most charity and that most charities do use is you can be on the return and earn app on your phone. And all you need to do is if you get that app on your phone, it's a return and earn app and you can set it up. Uh, you can search for your charity of choice. So in our case, obviously, it's Rotary um, Lower Blue Mountains. And if, if you go on there, you'll find there's various Rotary clubs that that are on this app. You can set that whatever charity of your choice to be your, your I guess, donation partner that as soon as you return, recycle to, it goes directly to that organisation. So that's a way of well, if you can't make it onto the machines, then you can still be donated to
0: Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. So for both of our listeners, uh, Kirsten um, Felt-Hals, um, tell us where the, the shop is, the op shop. Yes, that's right. It, the
1: op shop is, the Broader Recycle op shop is in Blackland, Blacksland. So it's the lower Blue Mountains.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and it's on the Great Western Highway. It's on 156 Great Western Highway, Blacksland.
0: Okay, so, so that's, if, on, if, that's the main road that runs up through the Blue Mountains, through, Black, through Blacksland. So you that's mean, it so if you're
1: traveling from Sydney and you go past Glenbrook the first village I guess in the Blue Mountains it's the next village and it's on the left hand side as you're traveling right. up to through the Blue Mountains and
0: yeah. the Glenbrook markets Kirsten when are they held and where is the location for those they're in in
1: Glenbrook at the public school uh-huh. um, so once you get it into Glenbrook you turn left and it's it's right there at the uh, at the intersection. Our market, our market is run every first and third Saturday, from about seven till one, and it has both the market. So there's a number of stalls. We also have quite a large uh, book fair, a secondhand book fair uh, that also runs concurrently. That's also run by Rotary um, at the same time. So yeah, good good market. Um, we enjoy running it. We uh, our op- our club also has uh, the the Rotary. um the barbecue on, on one of those once a month uh, so we have a quite a, a, a high level of involvement of, of, of many of of our
0: club members in that market in various ways yeah. excellent so listeners another great example of Rotary being very active in the community uh, and, and at the same time uh, raising significant awareness uh, of contemporary issues and raising funds to support some of the, the projects that um, they support Now, that's not all we're going to hear from, Kirsten. There's a bit more as I will come back to in a few minutes to understand the charities that benefit from the money that they raise at the market and at the op shop. In the meantime... So, welcome back to Rotary Matters. In a few minutes, I'll be giving you a rundown of activities Uh, taking place within the district that are open and accessible to everybody in the community. You don't have to be a Rotarian to come to some of those. But I'd just like to go back for a few minutes to the conversation I had with Kirsten Veltholz regarding the um, charities that benefit from the work that they undertake at the Rotary Club of the Lower Blue Mountains. Of the charities uh, that benefit from Lower Blue Mountains Rotary, um, can you name one or two that receive the funds from you? Partners that we are uh, that yeah. we work with
1: that we donate to it could be um, uh, the blanket patrol, so they take um, blankets. Um, we have the Cancer Council for some of the items. They've got an op shop as well, including also the Salvation Army. We have a caravan, uh, Blacksland, uh, Blacks, Blacktown. Apologies. We also provide to the Blacksland Vet um, towels and things like that that they can use for 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 animals there. Um, we also have the Nepean Mental Health Service that we redonate to. There's a charity called Me and My Toys. So there's there's quite a, a whole number of, of them, and it's it's quite interesting. Um, once we sort of started the op shop, um, to see how many charities are out there that could be quite small and local uh, that could use things. For, for a little while, we were also redonating to a charity called Uplift, which which took bras. So. It's just amazing what's out there where, where there's a need in a community, and I guess particularly now with the sort of the cost of cost of living crisis going on, um, it's it's just great that we can repurpose items that other people might think, well, we don't want that anymore, I don't, don't see a use for it, and and that there is a use for it in the community if you look. Yeah, and we can take any of those donations to us, and we can if we can't sell it in the shop, uh, then we can repurpose it to any of these other charities. We also have a, a, a volunteer electrician, so any electrical equipment that we get gets gets tagged and tested and gets um, gets re, resold in the shop.
0: Does it make a good point there? Because I'm aware that um, some of the charity shops in my part of the world won't take um, ele- toasters or kettles or electrical appliances because they cannot guarantee the electrical safety. But to have a qualified electrician as part of your team who can tag things, congratulations, a great idea.
1: Yeah, he's not a Rotarian. He just donates his, his time um, to us, which is fantastic. And you'd be amazed how many people um, provide providers with toasters yes, and coffee yes. machines and the like, and juices yes. particularly. So, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, compostable cups—I read somewhere—you have a an angle on that.
1: Not not yet, but certainly composting uh, is something that I'd love to um, see the market. So as part of our zero waste, I think we're just doing it in, in in small steps. You know, you can't just sort of go in and say now I want a, a zero waste market. We're yeah. doing small things at the time. So the first, the can and bottle recycling is one. Uh, secondly, I would love to have a green a green waste separation at the market, um, and we have got shop holders, um, stall holders that might have coffee grinds or other green waste that could be separated. So that certainly is the next step. I know in the store, uh, our um, Rotary store where we where we provide the barbecue and all that, we collect um, one of our members collects all of the the eggshells because there's obviously a lot of eggs bacon and eggs yeah, yeah, being yeah. being baked. So he takes all the eggshells in the cartons and they go back to his his chickens, for mm-hmm. instance. And I, I I was very surprised and slightly shocked to hear that the chickens apparently also eat bacon. <laughs> Um, so any any offcuts and and things like that that can't be used i think he takes the lot and the chickens eat everything
0: they eat the bacon did you say (laughs) yes yes (laughs) okay so some excellent examples there so in the case of the green waste i imagine in the stall holders who've got surplus um, green waste you collect that um, you put it all in a big bin and then what happens to it
1: Apparently we don't we don't separate the, the green waste yet and it oh. just goes into a giant skip so this is just one of the things that we're looking at oh, can, we, okay. can we start with this yes and right. there are certainly examples of zero waste markets and there's been uh, so i i guess i've been to events in the blue mountains uh there was a, a music event a whole day music event um earlier this year i've forgotten the name of it but it it it, it was a zero waste event and they had coffee cup separation because you you can imagine coffee cups um ideally people bring their own mugs and things like that or they're, they're recyclable cups um but invariably people people get a coffee and they it comes with a cup the cup could be compostable but the lid may, lid may not be um and i know that there are um, organizations where you can separate the cup from the lid and they both get taken back, so that's something that we're looking into at the moment. If there's a potential for us to partner up with one of those organisations, um, and to try and reduce that as a waste, the green waste is another one. As as we discussed, that I'd love to find, I'd love to get that um, set up and and start having all of our storeholders um, separate their green waste, and that then it could be composted.
0: What well, what I love about what you're doing is you're you're pioneering, you're trying out new ideas it's all driven by a fundamental desire to improve the environment but I think as I was trying to say earlier on in relation to the shop I think other businesses will see what you're doing and it'll inspire them to adopt some of the same practices Uh, you can tell them what needs to be done you can show them that you have done it and what they need to do in order to deliver the same kind of results so uh, congratulations on your enterprise, Kirsten, and, and to you and your colleagues in in Low Blue Mountains. It's absolutely wonderful. What, what Thank is, you. And yeah. what is still to be done? What is still to be done? What
1: is still to be done? Well, we've got um, we've we've done year one. We are at the end of year two of our environment group. So there is a never-ending supply of great ideas in the environment group. Um, if we meet currently monthly, uh, an hour a week, to discuss. Uh, I guess, our initiatives, how they're going, does anyone need any help, Um, and sometimes we come up with new ideas. Um, Currently, certainly the market, uh, zero waste is something that's ongoing. Um, We have got a a, a program also of, um, I guess, environmental awareness within our club, raising environmental awareness, so that includes getting guest speakers on a range of topics into our club meetings. Um, So we've had speakers talk about, Composting, for instance, we've had speakers talk about bush care. We've had speakers talk about solar panels, um, a tool library, various things. Uh, We have, we try and set up environmental events for our club, for our club members and ideally also external. So, uh, you know, the, for instance, the, the Clean Up Australia Day is a great event that you can set up with your club, with the community, within the community. Or we can also have social events that have got an environmental theme just for within the club alone that could be a bit, a bit of a social event. Uh, one of uh, my working group members recently uh, had a uh, a morning tea that uh, at the Glenbrook Lagoon where we had a, a speaker from Blue Mountains Council talk about bush care uh, and also someone from the community talk about the history of the lagoon. And that was followed by a little walk. Uh, and then we had a picnic together. So it's it's partly environmental education. It's partly social. And that's really great because sometimes within embroidery, particularly within meetings, the club meetings, you don't necessarily have much time to socialise. Right. In our right. club, it's all, it's it's kind of, you know, there's a lot on. So um, this is more of a kind of a, a, a more social event, but it has an environmental theme an environmental message. So raising okay. awareness.
0: Where and when does the Low Blue Mountains Club formally meet?
1: We meet every Tuesday night, uh, 6.30 for a 7pm start at the uh, Glenbrook Bowling Club, the Panthers Bowling
0: Club. So listeners, Glen, uh, Glenbrook Bowling Club is the location. This is where the Lower Blue Mountains Rotary Club meet. Um, if you should get along, I urge you to look up Kirsten, find out more about her Environment Working Group. It's doing some wonderful work. And um, Kirsten, thank you for your time today and wishing you every success in the future. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for, for allowing for allowing me to talk about this. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing whether we can have um, interested members join or if not, lo- love to hear about other Rotarians out there doing great environmental um, initiatives in their club because sharing, inf- sharing knowledge and sharing um, activities is always useful for us to see what else is out there and what we can potentially implement ourselves.